All right. It's 9 o'clock at night. I'm just about to preach, so get ready. So can we get one more round of applause for our seniors? Seriously, you guys are incredible. I'm feeling pretty sentimental tonight as it's our last gathering of the semester. And I know that, you know, most of us will be back next semester. It's only going to be like a month, okay? So it's not that long. We're going to be back. We're going to be firing for Jesus. But, you know, there's part of me that just likes to reflect on this semester. And I think back on the semester, uh, just about some of you who have given your lives to Jesus. You know, I think every single senior that shared, like, found Jesus or reconnected with him through Chi Alpha. It's pretty incredible. It's, it's an incredible thing about our group. And, and I know that's your story. For, or for many of you, you connected with Jesus for the first time or you reconnected with him this semester. So God deserves praise for that. God deserves praise for the fact that there were, I think, over a dozen students who got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I, I, guys, I've never seen that happen. I remember at Fall Retreat, there was just a row of you uh, just uh, pursuing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was just like, boom, boom, boom. God was baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. It was incredible. I've never seen something like that. Uh, the fact that three of you got baptized in water. I mean, God has done incredible things. And not even to mention the most obvious thing, which was moving from our old space, which we're packing out multiple times at the beginning of the semester, and now coming in here, and now look at all the space we have to grow, okay? So I'm just believing that God is going to bring more people, uh, bring more people like Rachel McClellan and Jacob Hans and Lydia and Ashley and Elizabeth into our group to connect with God maybe for the first time or to reconnect with him. So that's my prayer. And I just want to celebrate this semester. So let's give God a clap for that too. Come on, keep you awake. God is good. He's done so much. So tonight we're concluding our Unstoppable series. This has been a six-week journey through the book of Acts. And I've been blown away by the book of Acts, just taking a second look at it and just seeing how or just how God worked in and through the disciples to bring the gospel from Jerusalem to, to the heart of the Roman Empire and the city of Rome. Uh, the disciples planted churches all throughout the Roman Empire, and they seriously turned their world upside down for Jesus. And my prayer is that as the disciples did that in the book of Acts, we would do that here on this campus. Because my prayer is that Kyle would not just be a place for kids who grew up in church to continue going to church, although that's great and I love it when Christians come to Chi Alpha. But guys, my prayer is that students who are far from God would encounter him, that they would know that God loves them, that God has a plan for their life. And I pray that this entire campus would be flipped upside down because of that, because students just realizing their purpose and their potential in Jesus. I pray that, that just what happened in the book of Acts would happen on our campus. So we have one more story we're going to look at in the book of Acts. It's in Acts 19. If you want to turn there, we're going to be in verse 11. So last week we talked about the Apostle Paul, how the Apostle Paul was killing Christians. He, he was or just a part of the stoning of Stephen in Acts 6 and 7. That was three weeks ago we looked at that. And then last week we just took a look at the story in Acts 16 where he is beaten with rods. He's imprisoned. And what does Paul do? Paul praises Jesus through the night as his feet are in stocks and he's being tortured and then God delivers him from that jail. And then the jailer, the person who was uh, supposed to guard and keep him in his jail cell, gave his life to Jesus. And that jailer's whole family gave their life to Jesus. So Paul's an incredible man. He wrote actually most of the books in the New Testament. So, or so many of the things you'll read are from the Apostle Paul. And there's one more story we're going to read. It's in verse 11. So I'll read it quickly. And God was doing extraordinary, or extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, or so that even handkerchiefs, or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, get this, 
and their diseases left them, and, their, and the evil spirits came out of them. His handkerchiefs and his aprons were healing people. That's kind of crazy. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And seven sons of Seva, or of a Jewish priest, and his name was Seva, were doing this. But the evil spirits answered them. So this is kind of a scary situation. The demons talk back to them. Maybe they weren't expecting that. And they say, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? That's scary. <laughs> these guys think, I'll use the name of the Lord Jesus, and these demons are going to flee. But these guys didn't know Jesus personally, so Jesus' response to them is, you have no right to use my name. You don't know me. And how many of us in this room, on this campus, in our country, like, use the name of the Lord Jesus to benefit ourselves, but, but we actually don't know Jesus? Think about that. You know, you got Christian on your Facebook, you know, for the religious views that I don't think anyone looks at anymore because it's like way hidden. It says Christian there, but you're not actually a follower of Jesus. That's what the seven sons of Seba were trying to do. And this is what happened. And the man in whom, or the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. You know, they're going streaking. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus once again was extolled. We love that word in the book of Acts. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices, and a, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So, through this experience where the demons attack these men, people actually put their faith in Jesus. They burn their books. They burn, or they burn their magic art stuff, and, and they repented of it, and they turned to the name of Jesus. They turned to Christ, and they found a true relationship with him. So let's pray over that tonight. Jesus, I pray that, first of all, help us stay awake, Lord. It's 9 o'clock, and I really want to preach, so help us stay awake. God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that this would be the boost we need to get through the end of the semester and to have an incredible winter break. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it's safe to say that the Apostle Paul was an absolute beast for Jesus. This man was a boss. I mean, seriously, the demons recognized him. This man's clothes healed other people. People are trying to call me. What is going on here? All right, I'm going to put this over here. Jessica Newton, blame her. All right, going back to this. <laughs> it's been going off. All right, so I think many of us aspire to be like Paul. You know, we aspire to be a man or woman who, who has the kind of power that Paul had because he was so connected to Jesus. I aspire to be someone, if I take a sock off and leave it here, it might jump up on Marcus and heal him. All right, that'd be kind of cool, like my clothes healing people. That'd be incredible. I aspire to be like Paul, and I think, I think many of us in this room aspire to be like Paul. And maybe for you, you don't aspire to bring healing and redemption to people, which it's not very nice, but, you know, maybe you don't aspire to do that. Like, you're not a Christian. That's fair. This place is safe for all people if you're following Jesus or not. But I think you can still respect just the legacy that Paul left. He's left an imprint on our entire world because of his ministry and, and the books that, or that he's written. So the main idea tonight is this. God has called each one of us to live a life that causes the demons to recognize us. And tonight's message is entitled, A Powerful Legacy. So what I want to do is talk about how we can leave a powerful legacy like Paul. So the question I'm asking is this. Boom. 
Look at that. That's perfect. How can we leave a powerful legacy like Paul? And specifically, or specifically, how can we leave a powerful legacy like Paul on this campus? That's what I really want to look at. So the first thing is this. Pursue Jesus with your whole heart. Maybe you guessed I'd say that because that's where it should start. The first thing that each of us must do if we want to leave a legacy like Paul is to pursue Jesus with everything we have. If we don't pursue Jesus, if we're not connected to him, then we'll be like the sons of Seva who were attacked by the demons because we tried to invoke his name without having relationship with him. If we don't pursue Jesus, then we cannot possibly make an eternal impact on this world. Just as I think Jacob said and some others, this is the reality. The only thing that's going to matter in eternity is what you did for Jesus. It's the only thing that's going to matter. Your tests won't matter, although do great. Do good on the test. Seriously, I was a straight-A student. I'm very passionate about being good in academics. I'm not going to downplay that. But here's the thing. My grades don't really matter even anymore, and I graduated from college two years ago. They don't really matter at all. Actually, the guy who hired me didn't even look at my grades, which like, maybe that's ministry. I don't know. But uh, he didn't even look at my grades. I was a 4.0 student, and it didn't matter at all. So pursue Jesus, and each of you have untapped potential. I'm telling you, each person in this room, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're far from God, each of you have untapped potential in Jesus to be a powerful man or woman of God who advances his name. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a freshman. I don't care if you're shy. God has given you unique giftings and passions, and only you can accomplish the mission that God has given you. But it starts with pursuing Jesus with everything you have. So I'm telling you guys, if you don't pursue Jesus, then you're going to miss the purpose of your life. You will miss it. If you don't pursue Jesus and put him first when you're a student here at UNI, then you miss the entire purpose of why God brought you here. Yes, get a degree. Do that. But the main reason why God brought you here was to know him and to make him known. There are people on this campus who need you to approach them and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. God has positioned you uniquely in each of your classes, in each activity. You know, marching band folks, you're not in marching band to do marching band. You're in marching band to reach those other marching band students. I'm telling you, art majors, you're not an art major just to get a job in art. You know, Michaela, Bailey, and Leah, I think you're an art major. God has placed you there. God has placed you there to reach those students who can be hard to reach. God has placed you there to infiltrate the art department and to bring the gospel of Jesus to every single student in that department. Come on, somebody. This is why we exist. This is why you're here. This is why we do this whole thing. It's to make Jesus known. And I'm telling you, if you're not pursuing Jesus with your whole heart, then you're missing the point and you will regret it. When you give your senior speech and we'll have fun and everything, I'll always love you. But if you don't pursue Jesus with your whole heart, then you're gonna regret something, I'm telling you. It's not going to be a joy-filled testimony like Ashley Baker's was and, and all the others. So pursue Jesus with all of your heart. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Put other people before yourself. This isn't rocket science. Like I'm not a genius for these two things. These are obvious. But put other people before yourself. Have you ever noticed that the most likable, the most popular people in this world are people who put others before themselves? You know, guys, the kind of people I do not like hanging out with, and that's, guys, if that's you, I'm not trying to you know, dog on you or anything, but it's, or it's not fun to hang out with people who always talk about themselves. You know, everything's got to come back to you. You know, like I say, hey, I went rock climbing, you know, last week at the WRC. Oh, I climbed Mount Everest, you know, a couple weeks before that. 
If you're in the, guys, if that's you, seriously, repent. I'm not kidding. <laughs> repent. The world is not about you. Guys, my prayer for every one-on-one that I have is that I would just sit there and listen to you guys talk. That's what I pray. I say, God, just help them to open up because it's not about me. It's about you guys. Like I'm, and I'm telling you, that's the best life to live, to put other people before yourself, to say, I'm gonna lay down my life. You know, 1 John 3.16, I believe it is. Throw it up on the screen. It says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to also lay down our life for the brothers. Jesus laid down his life for you. He died on the cross so each of us could have a relationship with him and have eternal life. And Jesus says it doesn't stop there, though. The only adequate response to the gospel of Jesus, to the fact that he laid down his life for you, is for you to go and lay down your life for others. We've got to stop asking the question, what's in it for me? You know, Taylor asked you to serve on the Connect team. You say, what's in it for me? No, there's nothing in it for you, probably. Like, it might be kind of fun, giving high fives, but it's a sacrifice. It's for other people. Production team. You know, what's in it for you? Not much. It actually stinks. A lot of times we get frustrated and stressed out. But it's for other people. I pray that you guys would be a people who say, it's not about me. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my desires. But it's about Jesus and it's about other people. I pray that that would be your heart. And if you do that, then you're going to leave a powerful legacy. Just like Ashley was able to say, you know, I did all those one-on-ones every week. That's a powerful legacy to leave. To say, I invested my time into other people. Third thing is this. See, I'm moving fast. I'm guys moving faster than usual, okay? But there's six points, so sorry. <laughs> the third thing is to lead a disciplined life, okay? Undisciplined people do not change the world. They don't. Simply put, the procrastinators, the people who can't get their lives under control, they will not change the world. If you can't get your own life in order, then you cannot have an impact on other people. In my one-on-ones, I say this all the time. I say, the biggest enemy to you becoming the person that God has destined you to be is yourself. If you're a Christian, God has given you every single thing you need to become that person that he has destined you to be, to be that person that, or that God dreamed of when you were in your mother's womb. God's given you everything you need. He's made you the way that you are for a reason. He's given you your unique talents and your, and your gifts and, and your weird quirks, or is, or is that how you say it, quirks? I don't know. That He's given you those things. You know, like maybe, I was talking to John Griffin, or John said he's a nerd. You know, I told John, I said, John, you're a nerd for a reason, because you can connect with other nerds. Okay, God has made you a certain way, come on, for a certain reason, and Satan can't take that away from you. Other people can't take that away from you. The only one who can prevent you from becoming that person that God has destined you to be is yourself. Someone's got to hear this today. If you're lazy, if you're disobedient, if you're procrastinator, if you're selfish, then you can certainly prevent yourself from fulfilling your potential. So we got to get serious about, or about living a disciplined or disciplined life. Time is too short for us to mess around. There are too many people around us every single day who are going to hell. And you're procrastinating on your homework so, or so you don't have any time to actually go out and talk to people about Jesus because you're always in your dorm trying to catch up. Or you're watching Netflix all night long. It's time for some people to repent. I'm not kidding. You're spending 12 hours a day or on the weekends watching Netflix. And then you push your homework off, and that causes you to have to skip Chi Alpha or skip small groups or to not be able to invest in someone else. It's time to repent of the undisciplined life that, you, or that many of us live in this room. 
Because that's the thing that's going to prevent you from accomplishing the mission that God has given you. And I'm telling you, each of you have a specific mission. And God needs you to accomplish that. The reason the entire world does not know Jesus, I would say, is because people aren't stepping into their potential. The reason we see all the lostness, the brokenness on our campus is probably because of us. Someone needs to hear that today. Time, it's time to get disciplined. If you're at Fall Retreat last year, there's a, or this year, there's a guy named Dave Leadall who spoke. You remember him, I'm sure. He was the speaker. And, and during my freshman Fall Retreat, he said something really profound. He said that every morning, or that every morning him and his wife have this rule that they're not going to eat breakfast until they spend time with the Lord. You know, no cereal, no Cheerios, no toast until you read your Bible and you pray. He said every morning that's the way they do it because they love breakfast and they know that they need to get their Bible reading in before so they can get it done and not have to worry about the rest of the day. So some of you need to start just making some hard decisions like that. You know, some of you haven't read your Bible in a long time. And that's preventing you from becoming the person that God has created you to be. So I want to challenge you today to get disciplined about your Bible reading. Like you're not always going to feel it. I tell you guys, I'm a pastor. It's part of my job to read the Bible. I read the Bible for hours a day sometimes. But there's times that I don't feel like reading it. And what do I do? Do I say, oh, I'm not passionate about it right now, so I'm not going to do it? No, I say, God's called me to read the Word, so I'm going to be disciplined and read the Word. Some of us need to hear that today. It's time to get disciplined. It's, it's time to get our priorities in order, which is a later point. I shouldn't get into that. But to, to get disciplined so we can have time for the things of God. That's good. Come on. Let's go. Is that Shay? Is that you? Come on. That was you? Abby? Come on. All right. All right. So the fourth thing is this. Be faithful with what God gives you. So God, I've said this a few times, God has given us these unique giftings, callings, responsibilities, and unique influence. Okay? Abby Roach, I think you're in the color guard, right? So you have influence in the color guard. God has given you that influence for a reason. God has given each of us our own unique influence. My influence is, or is largely with you guys. God's given me this influence for a reason. For some of you, maybe right now, you serve on the Connect team. You know, for Chi Alpha, I'm just talking specifically about Chi Alpha, or about your roles. Like, you serve on the Connect team, you're a freshman. This is some of us. You're a freshman, and you attend uh, our small groups and services faithfully. And maybe sometimes you just, or just wonder, you know, what is the point in what I do? Connect team doesn't do a whole lot, which they do do a whole lot. But, you know, you say hi, you give high fives. Taylor, thank you. And you wonder, what is the point of what I'm doing. You may be questioning the importance of your job and the importance of your role and your presence in our community, but I want to say today that, that your presence in this place, just being here, is eternally important. And serving on the Connect team or doing whatever you do, Derek charges the batteries every week. That's one of his jobs. It seems very insignificant, and we never even need them, but he does that every week. Each thing you do is important to accomplishing our mission, which is to reach all 12,000 students with the gospel of Jesus. So if you're a freshman or you feel like your role is not important, I want to tell you that your role is so important, that your presence in this community is so important. And my challenge to you tonight is to be faithful with the little things. Be faithful with what God has given you. Maybe God has just given you or that one responsibility once a month to be an outside door greeter. Very thrilling job. God has given you that or that responsibility. And I want to tell you, be faithful with that. Say, God, I'm going to be the best greeter that the world has ever seen. Say, I'm going to charge those batteries like a boss. Those batteries will get charged. They will have the green light. I will bring them to Chi Alpha with a smile on my face. Be faithful with what God gives you. 
Be faithful with your relationship with God. Be faithful to read your word and to pray. It's going to keep coming back to that because that's where it all starts. Be faithful. So, or so Luke 16, 10 says, or says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So I challenge you today, be faithful to what God gives you, and he will give you more. I'm telling you this just as the pastor of this ministry. If I see you, like if you just attend every week, that's huge for me. That's huge. I'm like, oh my gosh, Michael Bachholt is a beast because he attends every week. He attends small group every week. And that's actually serious. Like Michael is a boss. Let's give him a round of applause. Michael, killing it. And I notice these things because if you can be faithful with the small things just like God does, then I just want to trust you with big things. So I'm telling you, if you would just be faithful in that connect team in no time, you're going to be leading a small group or something like that doing, or doing something more because I can see that you're being faithful with the small things and I'll give you more. And God will do the same thing. So if you're faithful to connect him, God will give you more opportunities to serve him on Tuesday nights and to serve him wherever. You know, it's, or it's not just about Chi Alpha. But I just want to encourage you guys to, to be faithful in the small things. The fifth thing is this. Have a teachable spirit. If you want to leave a legacy, then you have to be teachable. You have to allow others to speak into your life. Because if you let others speak into your life, God can use those people to make you better. God will use them to point out blind spots in your life and call you into becoming the person that God has created you to be. And we shouldn't only just invite others to speak into our life and say, hey, it's okay if you want to say something. But I encourage you, go to people and say, hey, can you point out some blind spots in my life? Come to me. Like, like I'll do it. Come to me and say, hey, so this is where I'm at. You know, how am I doing with Jesus? I'll give you a teaching moment. I will say something. If you give me an opportunity, I'm not going to come to you and be like, all right, it's time to talk about this. Come on, let's talk. That's awkward. Go up to people and say, hey, hey, can you help me grow? I do it every single week with my pastor, Jonathan Bartholow. I sit in his office and I say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about the way I handled this with a student? And sometimes he's like, wow, you really stunk at that one. I show him my text messages or whatever. He's like, wow, that was bad. But it helps me to get better and helps me to become the person that God has created me to be. And if I don't have Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Drew, the Chi Alpha director, and my wife to say, hey, these are some blind spots in your life, then I'll keep doing the wrong things over and over again. So I'm telling you, be teachable. It's not for other people to just boss you around. That's not what it's about. It's about, it's about you becoming the person that God has created you to be. So if you haven't, guys, if you haven't allowed other people to speak into your life, I encourage you, start allowing people to speak into your life. And stop being so stinking defensive, okay? Stop being so defensive. Someone needs to hear that today. Oh, but it was this and that and that. I, was, you know, I hear that all the time. I'm talking to or someone saying, hey, you know, you really should read your Bible. Oh, but I got really busy in this and that and that. No, just repent. Just say, hey, I blew it. Hey, you know, like I really wish I would have seen you at Chi Alpha last week. Oh, this came up, this came up. I was tired, you know, I fell asleep. Stop. Stop it. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. And this one's better. I like this one better. Proverbs 12, 1. It says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> if you hate discipline, if you hate correction, if you're always defensive, then point blankly, this is what Scripture says. It says you're stupid. Because you're preventing yourself from becoming the person that God has called you to be. I pray that this group would be a teachable group. And it starts with me. So I'm not saying you guys be teachable and I'm just going to tell you what to do. Guys, 
I go to my pastors all the time and say, help me, and I want you to come to me. Like, guys, I want to help you. That's what I'm here for. I'm called a pastor, which is a shepherd. Do you get that picture? The shepherd takes care of the sheep, helps them, or gets them into the, I actually don't know what they do, but they help the sheep. <laughs> That's my title of shepherd. So I want to help you, corral you. When one of you uh, starts to get off track, I want to bring you in, but I'm not going to force myself on you. Emily's not going to force herself on you. Your small group leaders won't force themselves on you. Come and say, hey, can you help me? Let's be a teachable people. Let's not be stupid. You know, when I was at the University of Minnesota, or I was an intern there a couple years ago at the Chi Alpha, and there was this kid in my small group named John Mikulski. Okay, Yeah, one person knows him. All right, John Mikulski was this freshman. He was hungry. You know, he was always, like, going hard for Jesus, jumping around. And that was great. But, but something more profound about John was the way he would interact with me when we got, you know, just one-on-one. You know, I was only a senior at the time. I didn't, or don't have everything figured out today, but, but I'm in college, too. And, and he would come to me all the time and say, hey, can you, point, or can you help me to grow? Can, or, or Daniel, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And John was known for his passion, his excitement, all that. That was great. But the thing that actually made John great was the fact that behind closed doors, he wanted to get better. And he wanted, is that my phone again? And he wanted me to speak into his life. And a couple weeks ago, I saw a picture on Facebook of John preaching at his Chi Alpha. He's a junior now, I believe. And because he, or because John was teachable in the small things, just like being faithful in the small things, God has given him just a or just wide influence. And I wish he would come here to you and I. So if you're listening, John, and Pastor Ryan, the pastor at the U of M, please send John here in Jesus' name. Um, but seriously, that's where it starts, is being teachable, and it continues throughout our entire lives. We have to be a teachable people. And this is the final point tonight. Have the right priorities. If you want to leave a legacy of power, a Jesus-filled legacy, a legacy where people remember you for how much you served and loved Jesus, then you have to have the right priorities. I believe that wrong priorities is one of the greatest enemies to the advancement of the gospel on the college campus. And let me say it again. The greatest enemy to the advancement of the gospel on our campus is students who know Jesus but have the wrong priorities. Or, or more plainly put, students who are distracted. You know, we're too easily distracted by seemingly good things that aren't God things. You know, what easier way for Satan to distract you from the mission of God than with seemingly good things? If he can't get you to run from God and, and to rebel against him, then he'll distract you with some good things. He'll fill up your schedule with a bunch of activities and, or that have zero eternal impact in the long run and won't actually matter when you face Jesus face-to-face at the end of your life. In Matthew 6, Jesus encourages his followers to not be anxious about, or about what they eat or drink or what they wear. For some of you, you know, your resume, what job you're going to get. Jesus says, don't be anxious about that. And he says this in verse 33. He says, but seek first. This is good. Get this. Take this home with you for winter break. This verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what does he say? And all these other things will be added unto you. If you put God first, he'll take care of the rest. I promise. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my wife's life. Or in my wife's life. I've seen it in so many students' life that, that when we put God first and we put his righteousness first, then he takes care of the rest. Far too often as college students, we get caught up in distractions that take, a, take us away from the, from the mission of God. And we seek after all these things that Jesus says he'll provide, and we miss the most important thing, which is to know him to seek him. So, or so let me tell you what a few of these distractions sound like. This is going to ring a bell with a lot of you. First thing, I want to build my resume. 
It sounds like worry to me. I'm not saying you shouldn't build your resume, but that shouldn't be your most important thing in college. Second thing, I want to have the college experience. I got to do all these things. I got to fill up my schedule with all these activities so I can have the college experience. The third thing, I want to be a, just a well-rounded person. Okay, sure, that's fine. These are good things. They're not bad. But if you're putting these things above Jesus, then they are bad things. We talk about this all the time. Sin is not just bad things or doing bad things. Sin is making good things into ultimate things. And I would say building your resume is a sin when it becomes an ultimate thing. And all of a sudden you don't show up at Chi Alpha. All of a sudden you're not in a small group. You're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. That is called sin. Having the college experience becomes sin when you make it a God in your life. And all of a sudden you stop spending time with Jesus. Being well-rounded, God wants you to be a follower of him. He doesn't really care if you're well-rounded. Hopefully you'll be well-rounded, but that should not be your most important thing in college. I'm telling you, there are 11,000 students. You know, about 1,000 are Christians on our campus, I would say, followers of Christ. There's 11,000 students on our campus who do not know Jesus, and if they died today, they would go to hell separated from God for eternity. And we're worried about building our resume. Not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Build your resume. You don't want it to be empty. That's awkward. Build your resume, but that should not be a God in your life. If the worship team would come up, we're going to close. See, 925, we've got like five minutes left. I'm almost done. God wants you to do two main things in life, okay? There's two main purposes. I talked about how each of you have a specific calling, specific giftings. Yes, there is a specific purpose for your life, but there's also a broad purpose for each of us. Two things. One, to, or to know God, okay? To know him. God wants you to know him. If you don't do that, then you miss the whole point. Second thing, to make him known. To make him known on the earth. So I would just make that more specific and say, during your time in college, God's purpose for you above everything else is for you to know him and for you to make him known. And then all these other things, building a resume, getting a degree, which get the degree, you're here, don't be here for eight years. All those things, important, but they're underneath that. They're, they're underneath, you know, knowing God and making him known. So some of us tonight just need to, to rearrange our priorities. A great example of someone seeking the kingdom first, and I'll brag about her because she's my wife, you know, she sought the kingdom first when she was in college. You know, she's an accounting major. There's all these pressures to be in every club and, you know, whatever. I don't know what accountants do. I'm married to one. I still don't know. But all the things that they're supposed to do in the college of business. And, and she didn't say no to everything, but, you know, she said no to quite a few things if, if those things interfered with, you know, God's call for her, which, you know, for her, she felt like it was serving in Chi Alpha. And her freshman year, she made these decisions to say, hey, I'm going to say no to a lot of these things. I'm just going to focus on Chi Alpha. She was a small group leader. Uh, and at the end of her freshman year, she applied for this full ride tuition and room and board scholarship. So crazy, everything covered. She doesn't have a ton of stuff on her resume. She has Chi Alpha on there, which actually is a great thing to have on your resume. To be a small group leader, that is an incredible thing to have on your resume. People are, are going to like that. You know, we can help build your resume too. But anyways, that's pretty much all she had. She had some other stuff, but, or, but not a lot of things. And, and she didn't have a 4.0 even. You know, I'm sure there were students who had better grades than her, but, but she interviewed for the scholarship and it was uh, given from this guy who went to UNI and the guy just liked her. He said, I'm giving it to you. 
And God covered completely her, her fees for her sophomore year. Then we transferred away, and we had to pay student loans after that. But for that one year, God covered all of her finances. And then when she got to the University of Minnesota, a very competitive college, very competitive college of business, and she made decisions over and over again to put God first, to, to say, I'm going to be a small group leader. I'm going to serve in Chi Alpha. I'm not going to miss Chi Alpha. I'm going to be there every single week. She made those decisions. And then Emily had a job secured at RSM where she now works by the time she even got to her last year of college. God provided. God provided. I'm telling you this too. This just came in my head. Both me and Emily had scholarships at UNI. I had a full ride tuition. She had everything. You know, she was a little better. But anyways, I had a tuition scholarship. And God called us, you know, at the end of our sophomore year to transfer away from here. And when you transfer, you don't get a lot of scholarships most of the time. And we transferred up to, or to Minneapolis or so I could study for, for ministry. And, and we got a lot of student loans. And I was like, God, I'm just trusting you. You told us to do this. I'm going to trust you. Okay, so we get all these student loans. You know, just a few months ago, this grant comes up. I, or I see this grant online where you can apply and they'll pay for your student loans. They'll pay your bill for you. I said, I'll apply for it, but, you know, there's other people who probably need it more than me, whatever. And I applied for it, and I got it. So someone else is paying my student loan payments now. I'm telling you, I wasn't super involved at my school. Like, I was focused on building the kingdom of God at the University of Minnesota, which was a different campus. And I got the outstanding graduate and pastoral studies at my Bible college. I wasn't even around. I didn't even think they knew who I was. And I got the outstanding grad and pastoral studies. I got this grant to pay off my student loans. And I'm not saying that to bolster myself. I'm saying that, guys, when you put the kingdom first, God will provide the rest. Come on, people. We need to have a little bit of faith in this room. We keep trying to control everything. Say, I got to build my resume. I got to have it all worked out. I got to have it all my job figured out. I got to put all this time into this and that and that. But God's saying, just rest in my presence. Don't worry about anything. If I take care of the birds of the air, then how much more can I take care of you? And then he says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll add everything else unto you. That's a good word tonight. If you guys would stand with me, we're going to close up here. So the main idea tonight is God has called each one of us to live a life that causes the demons to recognize us. And we ask this question, how can we leave a powerful legacy like Paul's? Pursue Jesus with your whole heart. Put others before yourself. Then live a disciplined life. Be faithful with what God gives you. Have a teachable spirit. And finally, have the right priorities, which is what I really want to hit. Can we make a commitment? Each one of you, I'm telling you, you have unique giftings and callings and purposes. Can each one of you please make a commitment to make the most of your time in college? To leave a legacy for Jesus behind you? I want you to stand up here. Some of you freshmen, I'm looking at some of you freshmen. Four years from now, I want you to stand up here proudly and say, I built the kingdom of God on this campus. Sophomores, you still got time. Juniors, even seniors, you got time. Build the kingdom. I want you to be proud. I want you to leave a legacy like Paul did where the demons say, I'm not going to get around that person. I'm just looking at some of you right now where I think the demons know your name. I'm just looking at some of you tonight, and I know that the demons know who you are. I pray that there be more of us in this room who rise up and the demons know who we are. They say, I recognize Emily Bickney's. I recognize Josh Hans. I recognize Amanda Diedrich. I know these people because they're pushing back the gates of hell. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. I pray tonight that you would spark vision, that you would spark passion into our students, that they would see beyond the present moment, that they would see beyond dead week, they see beyond finals week, and they would just know in their deepest or the, or the most bottom part of their heart that, or that you're standing on the other side and you're going to take care of it. God, I pray that each of us would seek first the kingdom.
So I just want to give you two opportunities to respond. So the first thing is this. If you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you once had a relationship with Jesus, but you've walked away, if everyone could just you know, close your eyes, I want this just to be between you and God. If that's you, if you've walked away from Jesus, or if you have never followed him and you want to make a commitment tonight to follow him, to seek him first, can you just raise up your hand right now? I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. Is there anyone else in this room? All right, awesome. I'm going to pray for you guys. Just pray a prayer of salvation for you. And just pray in your heart. Just whatever God brings to mind. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you that before the foundation of the world, you knew who we were by name. God, we thank you that, or that you knitted us together in our mother's womb. God, and I pray right now that for those of us who raised our hand to put our faith in Jesus, that you would bring our hearts to life. God, I pray that all the dead things in there, that you would take it out and, and you would replace it with a brand new heart. God, I pray that you would come in and, and live inside us and you would save us from our sin. In Jesus' name. And the second group of us is this. If you're in this room, but if you're honest, you're not really disciplined, you're not faithful, you know, uh, just one of those things stuck out to you, and you're not seeking first the kingdom on the campus, if there's some other things that you're distracted by, could you be so bold right now to raise up your hand and just say, God, I'm committing to giving my life to you, to, to, putting, to putting you first? So many hands up in this room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, we want to make a difference on this campus. I pray that you would hear our cry. I pray you would help us to seek you first with everything we have, and you would help us to turn this campus upside down just like the disciples did in the book of Acts. God, help us to make an eternal impact at you and I and to not waste our time with the, with the wrong things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're just going to sing this chorus one more time, and then we'll close up.